All right, let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, uh, Lord, we thank you for, first, who, who you are. God, we thank you for um, what you've done, what you're doing, what you will do. And Lord, we ask as we have come together as your people that uh, we can focus on you. God, we're going to talk about preparation, and we ask um, that today you prepare our hearts first uh, to receive what it is you have to say, but then also prepare um, our, our lives so we can do what it is that you say. Um, God, we, we ask that your, your spirit be um, with us, uh, be in us, be alive, and make us alive. Uh, Father, we ask that um, if there's distractions going on in our minds right now, that we won't let the enemy uh, use those distractions to, uh, for us, to, that we miss what it is that you're saying. So just even if it's a, uh, a, a pause in, in all the actions that are going on in our minds, God, give us this pause for the next you know, half hour, 45 minutes to just listen to what it is that you're saying so we can then understand how to combat the enemy that is lying to us. Uh, God, we, we love you. Father, we thank you. We praise in your, in your name, Jesus. <clears throat> Amen. All right, have a seat. <coughs> Excuse me. Good morning. How are we today? Great, good. That's it? How am I? I'm, I'm doing fantastic, Jake. How are you doing, Jake? Okay. I'm glad I'm doing okay, too. A little tired, but that's all right. Everybody's a little tired, especially this time of year, right? So who watched the game last night? Yeah. <laughs> My boys, right? <laughs> all right, so uh, um, this has nothing to do with, with uh, today's message. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I'm sure I can tie it in somehow, but I'm going to ask for your prayer uh, for me and my family um, because we are going to be faced with a tre tremendous, tremendous decision. Not really a decision, but we're going to be faced with a tremendous obstacle and um, uh, some trials and, and tribulations and maybe even some persecution here in the next uh, few weeks um, because we know that uh, Clemson's going to have to play Ohio State. Um, <laughs> We're, we're, we're Clemson fans, but we're Ohio State fans as well. I mean, number one Clemson, number two Ohio State, so it's going to be hard. So, what's that? Everybody's got, yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry. If I show up here in orange, it's not because I dislike the Buckeyes. I love the Buckeyes as well, but I love the Tigers just a little bit more. Um, but, I uh, know, that's all right. Hey, that comes from somebody that votes for the Browns, so... Um, <laughs> You have to love me. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's fun. It, it's fun to, uh, some people think, what's the big deal about what God's doing with college sports? A bunch of you know, teenagers and early 20-year-old men running around on the football field, whatever. But if you look at, I think that you can look at the platform in which God is giving some of those, those, those men, and um, I don't know if you guys heard the, the uh, uh, interview after, after the game last night by the head coach of, of Clemson, Dabo Sweeney, um, he, he gave all glory to God. 
Um, and he is unashamed in what it is. It's going. Now, it, 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 does he claim the Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and that's why we're winning football games? No, but he's giving all of the glory which people are giving, trying to give him to God, the, the abilities in which he's been given. So um, I think, here's how I'm going to tie this into my message today. I think it's because of a prepared heart and a prepared mind that we're able to do things like that. Um, so preparation, that's where we're going to be at today. Uh, the, the second candle of, of Advent, um, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 2, your homework for this past week, was this was part of your homework, uh, Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 7. All right, I'll give you this week's homework coming up, that way I don't forget. Um, that this, this week's homework is the continuation of the story in Luke chapter 2. So Luke 2, 8 through 20. And then Romans 10, 14, and 15. And here's the cool thing is when I give you these, these homework assignments, that doesn't mean you can only read these. Use this as a launching point. Read the, the, the verses around them. Get the whole context here. So the Bethlehem candle. Um, as uh, Kurt explained to us today, and as he, he lit the candles, uh, the Bethlehem candle is, is, a, uh, is, is a, it's an important candle, but it's, it's a, a symbol of, of something very, very, very important. Not, not you know, diminishing the, the rest of the candles, but the Bethlehem candle is a symbol of the preparations being made to receive and cradle the Christ child. So when we're, what we're going to talk about today is this understanding of preparedness. That if you know me, and my wife will be amen in the whole time, I am one that likes to be prepared. I think that that's that type A-edness. It is like prepare and, 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 and readiness. And um, I have a little, my seven Ps that I probably shouldn't share. My wife, my wife is saying no. If you want to know my, my seven Ps that goes in, in line with preparedness, uh, see me afterwards, and I'll tell you those. Um, they're not that bad, but yeah. uh, <laughs> Jake knows too, right? So, um, but preparedness and preparation is huge because a lot of times what we try to do as, um, let's just say, believers in Jesus Christ, what we try to do is we just kind of... I'm being led by the Spirit. I'm just going to follow the Spirit wherever the Spirit leads me. Well, it, well, the, the Bible says that the Spirit and it goes to and fro, and it's, it's like the wind, and it moves. I, I understand, but that's a Spirit. That's God. You're not God, okay? There, there are some things you need to understand that we need to understand, that God has given, a, given you um, a brain for reason, Yes, he's giving you feelings and emotions, and those are good things. Those are given to you by God. But um, to, to be prepared is actually um, a, a gift from God as well. And God stresses this um, through, throughout the Old Testament. And if you look and you read the story um, of the children of Israel, even uh, like, like through the, the wilderness, like they're, they're wandering in the wilderness, or um, the, the, uh, the new kingdoms as, as God established the kings and um, as the prophets came, there was a preparedness theme that was going on the whole time. 
Because remember, last week we, we talked about um, the beginning of Advent and where Advent really started. Advent started in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. That was the first giving of the gospel, saying that I'm going to send one. And that's that, that first coming, the Adventus, that Latin for coming, that, that first coming of the Christ child there. So what we need to understand is from the beginning, God was preparing all along. So don't think, as some try to, and they want whatever, but don't think that Jesus coming and dying on the cross was like God's contingency plan because man jacked up the first thing. Well, no, it was his response to what was going on. God planned this all along. Now, we're not going to get into the theological debate about, well, then does God create evil, and how can he do that? He, here's what I want to do. Uh, man sinned, and, and because man sinned, God had a plan, right? He was prepared for it. It, it did not, it did not um, catch God off guard. Just like your situation and my situation, just like God already knew the, 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 the potential of Clemson and, and, and Ohio State playing, and I mean, he's going to grant favor to the Orange team, but um, <laughs> God already knew that. It did, it did not catch him off guard. The situation in which you're in right now that you're dealing with right now did not catch God off guard. And because it did not catch him off guard, what we can do is we can prepare in, in those situations, those circumstances. So that, that's kind of like um, the whole sermon in a sentence today or the, 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 the big word, the big idea is that this, this preparation. So uh, the Bethlehem candle being the, the symbol of preparation. We need to prepare ourselves in this time of year. Uh, talking to the, um, all of the people in the, uh, uh, that came yesterday for the, the food giveaway, I, I kind of shared at the beginning that uh, this time of year is a time of great joy and uh, of celebration, but it's also a time of year uh, that brings out, brings out the ugly in people. The most ugly, ugliest things that you've seen. How many of you went Black Friday shopping? None? Y'all are righteous. Um, so I, I was, I, I went, maybe I had a little a fault, whatever. But uh, you can see just in things like that, it brings out ugly in people. Think about this for, for, in Black Friday. People are going out to get deals because they're get going because they want to bless somebody or they want to, you know, bring joy to someone else, so the, to their child. As they're ripping a, a Lego that's on sale from somebody else and beating them over the head, give me this, this for my kid. I want him to be happy. I don't care about your bloody nose. But it can bring out the, the nastiness in people a, as well. So th this time of preparation, I, I think that... Um, it's important that we prepare correctly. And if we don't prepare, then it leaves the door open for Satan to come in and do damage. None of us need any more damage in our life. I don't know what everybody's going through. I know what I'm thinking is I don't need more damage already done in my life. I'm already trying to deal with the damage in which I've already created why would I want to compound that and make more that I need to deal with? How about what we, what we do is we um, accept the truth of what God has given us and deal with the damaged already and, and, and try to prepare so we don't damage anymore? Does that make, make sense? Some of us, we, 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 we're like, yes, show me how not to damage. I'm like a, a bull in a china shop. Gotcha. Let me tell you a story about a man named Jim. 
poor mountaineer. No, wrong story. So, story about two farmers. Uh, let's say one farmer's name was Marty, and the other farmer's name was Bobby. It doesn't matter who the names of the farmers were. So, two, these two farmers, they desperately needed rain. They, they, they lived in the same geographic area. They lived right down the road. They had a bunch of farm area, farmland um, that desperately needed rain. And they were praying for rain day and night and day and night. They were praying for rain. We need rain. We need rain. We need rain. It's coming. Uh, uh, the, the season is coming to, to, to grow. I need rain. Well, Marty, although he, he, or along with, I should say, praying for rain, he's like, you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm going to plow my fields and get them ready. So when the rain comes, I'm, I'm prepared. But Bobby's sitting there like, well, it's not raining. What's the sense of me going out there and preparing my fields if it ain't raining yet? Well, you all can see where this is going. The rains come, and when the rains come, one is ready for, to receive the rain, and the other is not ready to receive the rain. I, I think that that, that is a, a, um, a, a, maybe it's an exaggeration in some areas, but I think, it, I think it's a good picture of like the nation of Israel when um, uh, looking forward to, to the, the Messiah coming, to uh, Jesus coming. They, 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 were, they were saying, okay, come Lord soon, quickly, Messiah, we need liberate, we need, we need to be freed from this oppression in which we're in. Come, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, but they didn't prepare the fields. So when he did come, they missed them. It was like the rain just came and just washed off. Here we see um, in Luke chapter 2, the, this story that Charlie Brown has made so popular. Um, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. So real quick, understand why. I heard a question the other day is like, well, what, why did uh, Mary and Joseph really go to Bethlehem? I mean, isn't that just a coincidence? No, it was part of the preparation, God orchestrating his plan to, to uh, be executed through time here. It was, it, yes, he used the, the, the governor um, to, uh, to, to make this happen. He used Let's just say ungodly government to make a godly thing happen. God can use uh, anything he wants. Some of, you, some of you are sitting here thinking, well, wait a second, there's a line to be drawn. Well, he can't use the devil. No, he can. He can turn. The Bible is clear. He can turn. He's actually instructed. Uh, he instructed Paul instructed the, the church at Corinth, hey, turn these, these two cats over to the devil so that, that they can be dealt with. Because they're not listening to anybody else. Well, why do I say that? Because I, I think that there's a lot of times we're so uh, combative uh, um, to what it is that God is saying that the only thing in which you, what we can do as, as a, a, a church or maybe we can do as brothers and sisters is say, God, I, I'm at a loss. Um, you, you're going to have to, to take that. Uh, somebody's pinging. Sonar. That's all right. 
So uh, you're going to have to take over here, God. And what God does, okay, here, I'm just going to, we're going to turn them over and let, let, let what happened happen so that then they can see, for lack of a better term, how good it, I can really be. Not I, God can really be. I think that there, there's a time that we need to understand that God uses the most jacked up things in our lives, but he can use them for good. Uh, the story of Joseph when his brothers sold him into slavery and then later on when his brothers encountered Joseph as he was a high-ranking official in Egypt and his brothers thought that, 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 that uh, Joseph was going to enact a, a, um, retribution and, and uh, was going to uh, come back to get them and, and avenge what they did to him. He says, no, 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 no. What, what, what was intended for evil, God used for good. You wanted to make something bad, but, but God made this, made this good. God can use bad things and make good come out of them. I don't know what the bad thing is going on in anyone's life. Well, some of you I do. But God can use what is bad, what the devil intends for evil, for good. So we have hope. But what we need to understand is there's some preparation that needs to take place. Here we're talking about um, uh, Joseph going to, he's going to register, he's going to Bethlehem. He's, he is being put into place for the, the service in which God has for him and for his wife and, and um, for his stepson to, to come here. Verse 6, and while they were there, the time for her to give, the, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Uh, I, I have, uh, in the past, I've kind of um, expounded on this from the, 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 uh, the, the perspective of the, the innkeeper. Just, just think about this, the innkeeper. If the perspective of the innkeeper was that Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem, me as an innkeeper would say that, you know, I, um, I want to make preparations. I want to be prepared for what's going to happen. If I really truly believe that this is going to take place, me as an innkeeper, obviously I get it, hindsight's twenty twenty. But if we really truly believe something, we're going to take uh, the, the, the steps to um, live out what we believe. If this innkeeper really truly believed that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem, why didn't he set a room aside just in case, right, this was the time? Well, it all comes down to preparation, the, the, the reason we prepare for something is because we believe something is going to happen, you don't prepare for something and, well, you know, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. No, if your life is going to be changed and altered, it's because you believe something is going to take place. In the sense that here, we know that the innkeeper, he didn't prepare for the Messiah to come. Well, it wasn't just the innkeeper that didn't prepare for the Messiah to come. Most of Israel didn't prepare for the, the Messiah to come. And the question that, that kind of rolls in my mind is, well, then, but how was Israel to really prepare for this? Well, it comes down to one word, really. Promise. How was Israel to prepare for the Messiah to come? Well, it, it comes down to, did they believe the promise in which God had given them? God said, this is what's going to take place. I promise you this. 
We know this as the covenant. He says, okay, this is what's going to take place. I'm going to send one who's going to crush the head of the serpent. Promise of God. That's how, we, we can, that's how he prepared Israel. But Israel didn't take that promise to heart. Uh, multiple promises, and I'll just tell you four real uh, um, brief promises, but the, like four major promises of the Old Testament. Uh, outside of the, the, the one I already told you about, the, 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 the Messiah promise, the promise of the Messiah, uh, the next promise would be the, the, the Noahic uh, promise, the, the, the promise that God gave to Noah, which we know that that is that God, God promised not to destroy the earth by flooding it anymore. You know, he, he gave that promise. He gives, you know, the, the rainbow is for, uh, so we can see that promise every time, that, that it, not every time, but sometimes when it rains, we see the, the rainbow and we can remember that promise. Another promise is a um, promise that God gave to Abraham. He, he promised Abraham that he was going to make him a great nation and that through him that all the nations of the world would be blessed. That's a promise in which God gave Abraham. Uh, another promise that God gave is a promise that God gave Moses. The promise that God gave Moses was a, a promise to, to set aside or set apart a people for God's holy use. We, we, he gave the law. The, we have the Mosaic law. That's what distinguished between God's people and not God's people. And then we have the, the, the promise that, that God gave David. The promise that God gave David was a promise that he would establish a king and a kingdom in his lineage. Well, this is the promise it, 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 throughout these thousands of years uh, before the Messiah came. So from the time in which God gave the promise in Genesis, and for those of you, uh, I know there was a question that was, that was posed to me like, well, who wrote Genesis? Moses wrote Genesis. So from the time that Moses wasn't there in the beginning when Genesis happened, God gave him the words. So anywho, so in the time in which Genesis was, was written, from the time in which not only Genesis was written, but even before that when Genesis happened, from that time when, when, when God said, I'm going to send one who's going to free you from this bondage, from this chasm, from this, this separation from me, from that time on, God was continually giving the, 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 these promises so that they, the, the uh, nation of Israel could prepare. So promises are given so preparedness can happen. This is how God operates. God doesn't want us to kind of just figure it out on our own. Too many times, too many people think, that, well... And this is like, well, I'm just being led by the Spirit to do this. And God's just trying to, he's revealing things as we go. He's revealed a lot more to us already. He has given us what we need. He, he's given us these promises. What are you doing with the promises he's already given you? It, it, it's easy to try to, to uh, get sucked into this mysticism and this new age um, uh, religion of, of uh, this postmodern thought of like, um, there are really no absolutes, and you can be who you, you can be your own God. Well, if you're your own God, you suck at it. So, anywho, um, but you can do this, and no, you can't. God has already given us promises. What are you doing about the ones He's already given us? You don't need any more revealed to you. J just think about that. I, I know that everybody wants to know more about God and, and, and grow in their knowledge. Does God want you to grow in, in the knowledge of him? Yes, but he first wants you to believe and act on the promises he's already given you. 
Why is he going to give you more if you're not doing anything with what he's already given you? Just think about that. that, that that's not just, it's not something to, to, for me to be like harsh, but too many times I encounter too many people that say, well, my life's going to hell in a handbasket. Okay, well, what does God say? Well, he says this and he says this and he says this. Okay, what are you doing about that? Well, I just, that's inconsequential. I need to know how to deal with this. No, you need to take baby steps. Deal with the, the, the fundamental things that are going on here. Deal with the promises of God. The rest is going to fall in place. Is it going to make things easy? No, it's not going to make things easy. It's going to make things right. Here we understand that, that, that um, in this text, it, it, the, um, the promise that was given to, that for a, a child to be born um, in Bethlehem, the Messiah to be born in Bethlehem, it's coming to fruition. It's happening. This is it. Question is, were they prepared for it? Well, to be honest with you, I don't think they were. We already explained that. But if we're looking back to the first coming and, and talking about how they weren't prepared for the first coming, my question for today is, are we prepared for the second coming? Because that's what matters. That's truly what matters. We can look and say, well, they got it all jacked up, so I'm not too bad. No, 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 let's learn from the mistakes. Are we prepared for the second coming? Just, just th let's think about this. Turn to a uh, First John chapter two. First John chapter two, because here's this is one of those texts that, like, how how do you sidestep this? We're gonna talk. We're gonna be here in First John, then we're gonna go to, over to, to First Peter for a couple minutes, and then I got an awesome surprise at the end. We're going to do something fun. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Okay, thank you, sir. Verse 28. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. It says, and now, little children. Okay, who do you think that uh, the apostle John is talking to? Us, us being the, the church, the believers in Jesus Christ. He says, and now, little children abide in him love those words you know that i love those words abide in him delight in him so that okay love that okay he says to do this abide in him why should we abide in him okay i'm gonna tell you so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming pause what John is saying here is prepare yourself because Jesus is coming again. Prepare yourselves because he is coming. Not he might come or he may come. He is coming. And what is he, how does he say this? He says, prepare yourselves or, or, um, that when he appears, you may have what? Confidence. Don't raise your hand. Don't answer this out loud, but think about this. How many Christians do you know that you talk to, that they don't have confidence in their relationship with Christ, so when he comes back, they're like, I don't know. I hope I'm going to heaven. No, 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 no. That's a lie from the devil. You don't have to just, I, I hope I've done good enough. No, we can know. We can have, like it says, confidence, so that when he comes, we don't shrink back. I, I look at it this way. When... Um, 
And, and, and I'm, I'm looking to the east because that's the way in which Jesus is going to come back. You know, it says that the sky is going to split open and he's going to come back. Big tattoo on his leg, sore coming out of his mouth on a big horse. Not the Brad Pitt Jesus, right? Flowing long hair, no. He's going to come back ready for battle. So he's coming back, and when he comes back, it's going to be a little scary. I mean, he's not little baby Jesus, eight pounds, six ounce, golden fleece diapers, right? Not, not, that's the first coming. Really, no golden fleece diapers, you know that. But he come humble. No, 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 he's coming with vengeance, it says. So when he, when he comes, when he, when he comes, it says here that we need with confidence to be able to say, okay, I'm ready. Instead of like, oh, snap, and, and go the other way. If our response is, well, I'm not ready for him to come, you need to ask yourself, are you preparing yourself for him coming? And it's not how Christian are you or how religious are you, how much you read your Bible. No. Are you abiding in him? Yes, all of those things are good, but are you praying the prayer as prayed as, as John says in Revelation, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come on. That's where you, you've heard it. Everybody's heard this. Most everybody, maybe. I don't know. I think everybody has. You've heard about the end times, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. and We should be scared. We should be doomsday preppers, right? That's what they're, they're saying. You need it. There, there's four levels of preparation, and at these four levels, you need to make sure you have seeds in which you can plant, and you need to have bottled water. Okay, fine. If all hell breaks loose, maybe that's just a tribulation in which we're going to go through. But what we need to do is we need to usher in the end times. Well, what do you mean? Do you want the world to end? Yes, I do. I, I, I'm not going to be ashamed of that. I want Jesus to split the sky open right now and come back. Because that's going to be way, much, way better than what's going on here. I don't care how good your Christmas is going to be. Right? I don't care. But I got this awesome gift for my kid. Yeah, but they're going to be bored in an hour with it. And you're going to be like, why did we spend all that money on it? Right? No, we want the, we want the sky to split open. And we want Jesus to come back. Well, I'm not ready for him because I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this. Well, on that list, what do you mean you got to do this? Like, like, like you're saying what, something that you can do on this earth is greater than what's going to happen in heaven when you're with God. Do, do, do you see that? that can, it, it, it's, it's crazy. It's insanity. We can think that our pleasures, I don't, it, it, why, I, I'm not going to be able to watch the Clemson game in, in, uh, in heaven. Yeah, they'll all be there. We'll, we'll watch it. You know, Clemson's God's team, right? <laughs> But uh, at least I didn't say West Virginia. Um, <laughs> that's God's country, not God's team. Um, but no, it doesn't matter. Whatever the greatest thing that you can think of doing here pales in comparison to what awaits us there. So what are we doing to prepare ourselves for that? I, I don't want to be the one and I don't want to be the, the, the leader of one that's going to be like, we got to run for the hills because he's coming back. No, I want to be the one that says, okay, y'all ready? Let's go. And be excited for th that to happen. Excited for Jesus to come back because I've jacked a lot of things up here and, I, and sin is like, 
it's, it's hard at times, but there's no sin in heaven. I can't wait to spend eternity with him. As we're thinking about this, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. If you, if you can, if you sense a little bit of excitement in, in my voice, in my delivery on this, it's because it's there. Because this is all why, that, that is all why we do this. This is not to see like how many people we can get in the door and how much money we can raise or how many ministries we can do. No, it's to see how confident we can be and how many people we can take with us to there. That's what it's all about. Yes, do we want to do all of those things? Yes, but all because we're focused on going and being with him. We're focused on the second advent. We're celebrating the first advent. How do we prepare? What does this look like? What do I need to do? 1 Peter chapter 1. We, we read verse 13. I'm going to pick up in verse 13. And we're going to read through verse 25. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. Love that. You have something to do, brother, sister. We have something to do. We can't just, I'm a Christian, and just be. No, we need to, there, there are actions that need to take place. That doesn't mean we, we work our way to a relationship with Christ. No, we're in relationship, and there's going to be fruit because of that. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully, love that, on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Fully. Can't sit on the fence. There is no such thing as a fence-sitting Christian. No such thing. Well, yeah, but, I, I'm, but I'm there, Lee. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm teetering from side to side. Biblically speaking, there is no such thing as a fence-sitting Christian. It's either you're all in or you're not all in. The devil owns the fence. There you go. He wants you to stay up on, side, up on top of that fence. And because what it is, when, when you are on that fence, what you're saying is, yeah, I believe a little bit of this, but I'm not trusting all of this, but I believe a little bit of this. So it's like, you're, you're, what was the word? The, the wishy-washy. There it is. We're wishy-washy. The Bible calls it double-minded. We're trying to be at both places at the same time. Think about this. I don't mean to be gross, but if you straddle a fence, guys, what happens? <laughs> it's painful. I'm sure it's just as painful for, for gals as well. It's painful. You, if you're straddling the fence, you're causing pain in your life. As obedient children, he doesn't say if you are. He said no. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. He identifies, yes, there are things that, yeah, maybe you've had you know, 20 or 30 or 40 years of, of, of growing up not in Christ. But now, you're, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ now, yes, there are four things from the past, but that's not who you are. But as he has called you, as he has called you as holy, as he who's called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Uh, okay, understand this. If God says, okay, be holy as I am holy. 
He doesn't just, here, do this, good luck doing it. No, he empowers us to do that. If we sin, we choose to sin. And if, I, or, and if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. I, I could spend hours and hours and hours on this text. Here's the deal. He, the apostle Peter is unashamed and he's saying, okay, Christian, or you, you who's calling you, or you who's calling yourself a Christian, because it says, you call on the Father, so you're the one who's saying, okay, I'm a Christian, I'm waving that flag, okay, fine, if that's you, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. That's not fear like we should shrink back, like, remember, we're talking when, when Jesus comes, we're not to shrink, no, the fear in which he's talking about here is the fear of God. It's we should live in a, in a reverence or an awe of, he is coming back. I need to do something about that. He, he says here that conduct yourselves. Your responsibility is to do this. That's what he's saying. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. What does he mean, the time of your exile? I'm not exiled. No, when you have been transferred from the domain of darkness, from this, this world here, because we un- This is going to blow somebody's mind here. But the God of this world, bless you. The God of this world is the devil. Wait a second, I thought God was God of all. The God of this world, small letter G, God. The God of this world is the devil. This is the the domain of darkness. When you've been transferred from the domain of darkness to the, the, the kingdom of the sun, to the kingdom of the light... You are, no, you are now, I should say, you are now exiles here. You don't belong here. I, I love that. What's that? Uh, building 429, not where I belong. Yeah, it's not where I belong. Does that mean, okay, I'm going to off myself and we're going to go and be? No, 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 no. You have a purpose while you're here, but you are now a citizen of heaven. So that when Jesus comes back, you can say, I'm ready to go where I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be. This is what he's saying here. Conduct yourselves that way. I don't belong here, but I'm waiting for, I'm fully, my hope is fully on what's going to happen. This is what's supposed to be taking place during Advent. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like a lamb, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You were bought with a price. The price in which you can stand firm and be confident is a price that, pay, that Christ paid on the cross. That's how we can stand firm and be confident, because that happened. You can't sit on the fence, eh, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. If it didn't happen, you're without hope. We're without hope. Here's, it, it says that we were bought I love, I love the, 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 this word, ransomed, bought back. We're no longer under the rule of the God of this world. We're under the rule of the God of the universe. This is where we should live. This is the confidence in which we should have. We don't need to, be, uh, we don't need to keep the, the, the chains of bondage on us and listen to the lies of the devil. If you're a child of God, you have power over that. 
He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Love it. It's like it was written for us or something, right? Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. So that, there's those words again, your faith and hope are in God. Your faith and hope are in God, nothing else. Not in your church, not in your pastor, not in the good deeds in which you do, not in the, the, the clubs in which you're in. Your faith and your hope are in God and God alone. 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. How, how, do, you, how do you want to become a better Christian or how do you want to grow in your walk with Christ? You have to let the truth penetrate your heart and you need to obey the truth. You, I think I've shared with you my favorite hymn of all time, Trust and Obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey, right? We need to trust what it is that God has said and what, what he has, he's given us in his word and obey it. It's not always going to be what you want to hear. It's not always going to be the easiest thing in which you need to do. But if you're reading the Bible, as I've read the Bible many times, I've come across things that I don't like. And that's when I know that, okay, this is, this is the real stuff. What am I doing about that? Because if you've read the Bible and you haven't come across something that you don't like, you're not really reading the Bible. You're, trying, you're imposing into what it should really mean because what happens is you come to a, a text and it's like, ooh, that's, that's tough. It can't, he can't really be saying that. No, maybe he, I, I'm confident he is saying that. It's just you're not willing to accept that. Because God forbid I'd have to change something in my life. <clears throat> Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere and brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Maybe that's some of you what you need to do. And instead of trying to compound your, your walk with Christ, focus on one thing. How about just loving people? Love God, love people. Husband, wife, start with each other. Well, maybe you need to love yourself first, right? Start with yourself. Love your wife. Love your husband. Love your kids. Since you have been born again. Since you're saying you're a Christian, act like it. Does it mean you're going to do everything perfect? No. Does it mean you're going to jack things up? Absolutely. But we should be striving to be the ones where people see us. We're, we're, we're supposed to be lights into a dark world. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all, all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. It's not my words, it's his words forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Peter's saying, you know this. You've been taught this. I'm reminding you of this now. Just like most everybody in here has heard this before. I'm reminding you of this. Because you need to prepare yourselves. 
I got a little picture I want to show you. We, this is the, the root cause of the, um, uh, the, the technical failure because I think that it was Satan that didn't want you to all see this. This is a little picture in, in my mind. So you're looking into the mind of Lee here. Ooh. Scary, right? That's why it's kind of, don't look too hard. It might draw you in. It's like hit, hit, it'll hypnotize you here. But look at this because I think that this is how we should prepare. Preparedness starts in the center right there, right? Now, when I'm saying prepare, and some of you have heard me say that Christ needs to be at the center of your life. Absolutely. This is a different, this is a different set of concentric circles. What we're doing is we're preparing as we're focusing on Christ. I'm preparing my life as I'm in the middle there. You, you, me. It starts with me. It starts with you. You need to prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Now, hear me. I'm not saying that you need to prepare your wife or your wife, you need to prepare your husband or whatever. You need to prepare yourself first and foremost. Prepare yourself. When you have prepared yourself, then we move out. Because a a lot of this time, what we do is we try to look at the other circles and we don't want to look at the, the, the center circle here. But the Bible's clear prepare yourself. You have a responsibility. Prepare yourself. I, I, I'll get it, Lee. Yeah, I'm going to say this because this needs to sink in. Prepare yourself. Thank you, Stephanie. Prepare yourself. Because you can't move to prepare other people if you're not preparing yourself. Prepare yourself. Then look at the second one, your spouse. That doesn't mean beat them over the head with the Bible. What are you preparing them for? We're preparing them for the second coming, the second advent. How are you preparing them? There's the question. How are you preparing them? The answer will vary. But the question must be asked continually. I'm preparing myself, okay? Now I'm preparing my my, my spouse because maybe the, your spouse is the only one that, or is the one that the God's going, or the, the, your, God's going to use you to be the one that reaches your spouse. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it, it's um, husband, wife, dad, son, mother, daughter, whatever. Maybe it, it's like you want to help some of these outer circles, but what you need to do is you need to prepare yourself first, and then we need to move out here. So prepare yourself, prepare your spouse. Look at the next one, prepare your children. You can't prepare your children if yourself's not prepared. If you're fighting like cats and dogs all the time, and then you come into the situation where, Gabe, you need to love Jesus. Well, Well, you just told mommy to go somewhere else. You're right. I'm wrong. You see how this, this works? You can't isolate just one. The only one that you can't isolate is yourself, but yourself, your spouse, your kids. Look at the next one. Then your family and friends. Don't get this all confused. God has put you in the, in the position in which you're in. You, you husband, you wife, whatever, wherever you're at, for a reason. You need to work out not work from the outside in. 
Your family and friends come next. I, I get it. You're, some of you are like, well, I, my family and friends need a lot of help. <laughs> can't choose your family, but you can't choose your friends, right? And then to others. And I just say others because everybody's in a different um, circle of influence. But if we're going to focus on being prepared, I, I think that we need to focus on how to do this. Focus on the center. Christ being with you. I'm being prepared. I'm preparing myself for the second coming of Christ. And then from there, work on out. That's just my thought. You take, take from it what you will, but let it be, let it penetrate because I want, I do, I desperately want every single one. I want to see all of you in heaven. That's what, and we want to see, and my hope is that you want to see your family and your friends, or how about this, your spouse and your kids in heaven. It's one of my prayers all the time. God, just create a desire in my children to want you. Because I, they, they, they can't get to heaven through me. They have to have their personal relationship with Jesus. But if I'm preaching Jesus and I'm acting like the devil, it conflicts. You confuse. I'm going to end with that. 